0: I think as we see stories that are like this that are very, very unfortunate and sad and heartbreaking and things that we don't want to see, hopefully, as more people are sharing their stories that people really realize that things that they might find people with allergies as being, you know, nitpicking or being, quote, annoying, you know, these are things that are putting people's health at risk. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. What's up, oh, my allergies fam? Welcome to or welcome back to the podcast Happy Tuesday, guys. If you're new, I am Valencia. Very nice to meet you. And if you're not subscribed to the podcast, make sure that you are subscribed to the pod on your podcast platform of choice. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much any platform you can listen to podcast on. And it's even available on Audible as well. Stop, drop, roll, and rate the podcast. Hopefully your rating is five stars. And also leave the show a review because it really helps with growing our community and being able to reach new peeps like yourselves. Follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram is at omiallergies. Oh My, My Instagram is at oh My valencia And just keep on sharing the podcast with people you know or don't know. Now, if you did not know, sesame officially joined the list of major allergens that are defined by law this month in January, January twenty twenty three. January 1st to be exact. So it's a major win for the allergy community. I know I've had some folks on the podcast previously who have spoken to their experience with dealing with having a sesame allergy. And it's definitely a peculiar type of allergy just because it's in a lot of different foods that you kind of don't really even like think about in a lot of different cuisines. Um, but yeah, sesame officially joined the list of major allergens and that's the result of the food Food Allergy Safety Treatment Education and Research Act which is also known as the FASTER Act and it was actually signed into law back in April of 2021. So with Sesame joining this big major list of major allergens, there's just been a lot of discussion around this and like the news, and there's even been some backlash associated with it. So in this episode, I really wanted to dive into this a little bit deeper and discuss the FASTER Act, how the FASTER Act is affecting those with Sesame allergies, how this act is affecting food labels, and of course, the backlash, the backlash from companies, restaurants, bread makers, etc. But before we get into today's episode, you guys know I got to talk about what's been going on with me. So as I talked about in last week's episode, I have really been trying to prioritize my health, both physically and mentally. And so as I've gotten more serious about it, I realized that I was like in serious need of some new sneakers. And it's so funny when I think about the word sneakers, I feel like it's just one of those words that I know like some people call sneakers tennis shoes, which like I don't really totally get because like court shoes do exist. And I feel like sneakers better describe the category as shoes more than the phrase tennis shoes. I also kind of find that a lot of people from the south call sneakers tennis shoes, and people from up north call them sneakers. So, question of the day: Do you call your sports shoes sneakers or tennis shoes? We'll definitely post this question on our Instagram page, which is at oh my allergies. So definitely give us a follow as we do fun little polls related to each episode on there. But Yeah, I've really been getting into doing a lot of research on sneakers and really just trying to find a good pair for like what I need. And I feel like I've just gone down like this big rabbit hole and there's just so many options to choose from to the point where it's kind of a little bit overwhelming. And I'm just honestly just looking for something that I can run in, that I can walk in and have my feet feel like really supported and just stuff like that. You know, like I do a lot of walking every day. So I really need something that's going to have, like, cushion. And most importantly, I really want them to, like, last and, like, last the test of time and, like, really be able to go through a good amount of walking and running in them and, like, not have them, like, break or have, like, a hole in them within, like, a year or two with having them. So I've been looking at, like, Hoka's a lot. I've been looking at New Balance, Brooks, Asics just so many brands and the amount of variety within their different shoes is so insane like you just think it's just so much just knowing about the different categories of sneakers but then it's like there's just so much leveling to that within each brand it's just insane but that is pretty much something that I've been doing, um, within my free time. Um, another thing that has really been consuming, um, some of my time is me really getting into making cold brew at home. I've literally been raving about this to anyone who has an eardrum, but I literally was stunned when I went to the grocery store and saw that one of my favorite brands of cold brew was almost $6. I literally gasped in front of the refrigerated section of my grocery store. And in that moment I was like, yeah, this this is not going to work out for me and I need to figure out how I can make this stuff at home because I'm just not going to pay that. Like I need to figure it out ASAP. So I did a bunch of research online and really have been playing around with making it. And guys, I actually highly recommend making it at home. I actually use like this infuser pitcher since I had one just like lying around that I wasn't using. And It can do what I need it to do for this particular case and then put in ground coffee and cold water, which is super important for cold brew. You have to use cold water. I know for a French press, you use hot water, like hot boiling water. No, for cold brew, you use cold water. And then you put it in the fridge for like 12 to 24 hours and then you strain it and bam, you got yourself some cold brew and to strain it, I've been using the Stanley pour over brew set. I was able to get the set for like a really good price, like over 50% off and like had to get it because A, you guys know I can't turn down a good sale. And two, especially since I have been looking at this particular item for like a hot minute since I was in the market for a French press for like hot coffee. And then I realized that I could use this for my cold brew shenanigans, so I was like, why not use it and 10 out of 10 recommend but it's so much cheaper to make cold brew at home and it lasts so much longer it's great it's honestly the best but those are some of the things that I wanted to chat with you all about and share with you all for my what's been going on update so with that I'll get right into my foodie likes So guys, I have tried so many things since the last time I talked with you guys before I took a break. So I finally have some good Foodie Legs content. I'm so excited. I'm so pumped. You have no idea. I feel like for some of the previous foodie likes. I felt like they were just getting repetitive and a tad bit boring, but I'm the type of person that when I find something I like, I kind of like stick with that. And if I get a little curious about something, then I might kind of like get out of my shell and like try something new. Um, but I've been doing a lot of that lately. And now I have so many things to talk about Um, that can be used as content. So the first thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is this Trader Joe's Mahi Mahi Burger. Now, I have just been a big Trader Joe's stan lately and I've just been loving these Mahi Mahi burgers from Trader Joe's because guys, they are so good and so easy to make. I really like how there's like a good amount of protein in them and they are actually like relatively like on the lower side in sodium and carbs for a burger at least, which shows that they didn't fill it up with a bunch of like breadcrumbs or other fillers, which means you actually get mahi mahi in these burgers which is so exciting and I really also like the flavor of it it's also just very meaty so like that's just a perfect combination for like a 10 out of 10 for me I highly recommend it if you can have fish it's so good I usually have it for lunch lately I've been making a mahi mahi sandwich with avocado and salsa guys that is that is the mixture. That is the combination. It is so, so good. Um, another foodie like I wanted to talk to you guys about back on the fish train, because if you guys are new to the podcast, I am a pescatarian. So a lot of the things I eat are fish. So it's just kind of the reality of the situation. This next foodie like it. I will not lie, it is kind of like a hit or miss for some people, but I've been really loving them lately, so I am going to talk about them. I've been reaching for sardines a lot lately as a protein-filled snack. Now, I know some people are probably groaning and moaning right now, but let me plead my case for sardines so there are a lot of great benefits to sardines so sardines they are one of the best sources of omega-3 fatty acids omega-3 fats they're known for their anti-inflammatory properties and can help manage and reduce the risk of conditions like asthma allergies and more so We love that for us. Also sardines they're one of the few foods that actually have vitamin D in them and they actually have uh, 22% of the daily value in one can. And vitamin D it plays just a really important role in the body in a lot of ways like supporting your immune system which is really really important for allergies and also helping increase calcium absorption in the body as well as some other things. So that is the end of my pitch for sardines. So If you can have fish, definitely recommend trying sardines. One of my favorite brands for sardines is Wild Planet because their sardines are really, really low in sodium, which is great. It makes them healthier. However, Wild Planet is a little bit more on the expensive side. So I like to mix it with sardines from like a place like Aldi's or like Trader Joe's. So just to kind of have that balance, highly recommend. So good. You should try them if you can. Another foodie, like I want to talk to you guys about, is another Trader Joe's favorite. It is Trader Joe's green tea. I've been loving this green tea from Trader Joe's. If you've been a longtime listener, then you know that tea is one of my favorite drinks. And green tea is especially my jam. I absolutely love it. It's a great drink to just throw in the mix if you want to change up what you drink. Even though, you know, I am a big advocate for drinking water and drinking enough water to stay hydrated. I even get sick of it sometimes. And I love how there's not a lot of sodium in the whole bottle. I believe that there's like maybe 30 milligrams of sodium in the entire bottle. And I feel like a lot of companies, they tend to add sodium to drinks like tea and sparkling water to make them like quote taste good, but the sodium that you have in a day really does add up and it may not seem like a lot when you're drinking it, but once you realize All the things that you've had in a day and you like intentionally like track your sodium intake you may actually surprise yourself how much sodium you have in a day but sorry tangent um but highly recommend trying this tea if you're a tea lover like myself because it is is just so good when it's nice and ice cold. It's so good, so good. But those are the foodie likes that I want to share with you all this week. I realized that most of them were fish related. Um, like I said, that's because I am a pescatarian who has food allergies, and that's pretty much the only protein I eat. And it definitely shows the more that I talk. Um, I know I have family that ask me like if I ever get like sick of it, and I'm like, nope. But those are my foodie likes. So with that being said, let's discuss this week's allergy news article. This week's allergy news article is titled Tragedy as Bride to Be with Dairy Allergy Dies Four Days After Proposal on Romantic South Africa Holiday After Accidentally Stirring Tea with a Spoon That Had Come Into Contact With Milk. That headline was definitely a mouthful, but is definitely a headline that you don't want to see whether it's a person that you know or don't know. It's just a very unfortunate situation where someone loses their life over their allergy. And so to go into this article a little bit deeper, um, like I said with the headline, a young woman, she passed away four days after getting engaged after using the wrong spoon to stir her tea. And the thought is, is that she passed away as a result of her dairy allergy just days after her partner had proposed. But after coming into contact with dairy, she went into anaphylaxis and died the following day in the hospital. Um, If you're not familiar with anaphylaxis, um, one major symptom that a lot of people experience, not everyone experiences this, each person's anaphylactic reaction is going to be different. But a common one is your throat closing up. Um, Pretty much anaphylaxis, in short, is an allergic reaction that is life-threatening. And so that is the very serious severe life-threatening allergic reaction that an allergic person can have and so in the article the woman's father said quote another time she ordered a vegan dessert which shouldn't have had dairy and she needed antihistamines and epipen in a hospital trip i haven't eaten dairy for about three years because it just wasn't worth the risk now, this type of story, it's very sad and it's not news that any person or even a person that is a family member wants to see, read, hear about, but I feel like as more of these types of stories are becoming more so public knowledge, um it really does teach a great lesson and is actually very connected to today's podcast episode topic because this story, it really shows the importance of having knowledge of cross-contact with an allergen and how cross-contact with an allergen can impact those with food allergies very severely. So if you are not familiar with cross-contact, we actually did an episode on cross-contact and cross-contamination and the differences between the two. But just to keep it short and sweet and to encourage you all to Definitely listen to the episode and to do your own research on this topic of cross-contact as well. Pretty much cross-contact is when one food comes into contact with another food and their proteins mix. So cross contact it can affect people with allergies in so many different ways and so for some you may get a rash along with other symptoms and for some you experience a life-threatening allergic reaction known as anaphylaxis and your throat closes up and then you rush to the ER and there's just so many different paths that could come about from the result of going to the ER you know you can go to the ER and be able to Come out of the hospital um, alive and well, and sadly for some, just like this story, that's not the case. And so, cross contact is something that should be taken very, very seriously by those with allergies and those who are around people with allergies. And If you have an allergy, especially one that is anaphylactic, you should not have the utensils that you use for your allergy-safe food mixed with stuff that non-allergic people use just because you're putting yourself at a greater risk for cross contact. And if you want to learn more about cross contact, like I said, we did an episode on the difference between cross contact and cross contamination. It is definitely a gem and a good one, so definitely go check that one out. It'll be linked in our show notes along with this week's allergy news article. Um as I always say, I don't cover these articles in their full entirety. I just pick pieces to be able to discuss here on the podcast, so I definitely encourage you all to check out the full article in its entirety in our show notes, but Definitely, I think as we see stories that are like this that are very, very unfortunate and sad and heartbreaking and things that we don't wanna see, hopefully as more people are sharing their stories that people really realize that things that they might find people with allergies as being you know nitpicking or being quote annoying you know these are things that are putting people's health at risk and so that's why it's super super important to make sure that you're educated when it comes to the allergy space but that is this week's allergy news article like I said it'll be linked in our show notes so definitely go check it out and with that being said let's get get right into today's topic which is all about sesame and why people with sesame allergies really just need to be careful in 2023 so Today, I'm gonna be talking about Sesame officially becoming a declared allergen. And even though that sounds like a really great thing, I mean, it is a really great thing, I'm gonna dive into why people with Sesame allergies really need to be careful in 2023 with the FASTER Act being passed and implemented. So starting January 1st, Sesame joined that list of major food allergens. So I'm talking about peanuts, tree nuts, milk, eggs, those major food allergens, um, Sesame joined that list defined by law according to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration due to the Food Allergy Safety Treatment Education and Research Act, also known as the FASTER Act. So the FDA, they have been reviewing whether to put sesame seeds on that major food allergens list, which like I said, it includes things like milk, eggs, uh, crustacean shellfish, fish, tree nuts, peanuts, wheat, and... And soybeans for so many years and adding sesame to that major food allergens list means that foods that have sesame in them will be subject to specific food allergen regulatory requirements like regarding um, labeling and manufacturing practices. So before the FASTER Act, the FDA, they recommended food manufacturers actually to voluntarily list sesame as an ingredient on food labels back in November of 2020. But the guidance, it wasn't really a requirement and was just intended and put in place to help people with sesame allergies be able to to feel a little bit more safe and identify foods that have sesame in them. But under those regulations, uh, before that 2020 recommendation, a sesame actually had to be declared on a label if whole seeds were used as an ingredient, but labeling wasn't really required when sesame was used as, let's say, a flavor or in a blend of spices. It also wasn't required for things like tahini, which, If you're familiar with tahini, it is actually made from ground sesame paste and some people aren't even aware that tahini has sesame seeds in it. Um, So if you are one of those people, then surprise. Uh, But based on research that I've done, the way that an allergen is identified by the FDA, which is the Food and Drug Administration, as one that must be labeled is due to the quantity of people who are allergic and in the u.s ingredients are actually listed on product packaging in the order of the amount of it being in that said product so a little fun fact for you all i did some research and sesame labeling actually has been required for years in a lot of other places like canada um, Europe, Australia and also New Zealand and if the ingredients don't include sesame then companies have to take steps to prevent the foods from coming in contact with any sesame um, known as cross-contamination which like I said in uh, the allergy news segment did an episode on it definitely check that out it'll be linked in our show notes based on a lot of the different articles that I've read online and just seeing chatter around this whole sesame allergy situation and how restaurants and food manufacturers are reacting to this. I think a lot of people just don't realize how much of a presence sesame has in food. Sesame is used in a lot of different popular foods and cuisines and cultures and ways that are evident and ways that are not evident. So some examples of foods that can contain sesame are like baked goods. So talking about the bagels, the bread, the breadsticks, hamburger buns, rolls, uh, breadcrumbs. It can be found in cereals like. Like granola and muesli it can be found in crackers could be found in dipping sauces like I said tahiti hummus it could be found in herbs and herbal drinks even margarine It can be found in flavored rice, noodles, risotto, shish kebab, stews, stir fry. It can be found in processed meats and sausages. I've seen sesame seeds being found in those things. It can be found in snack foods like pretzels and candy, vegetarian burgers sushi just the list could just honestly go on and on and on the track of vegetarian burgers with plant-based foods and vegan foods just becoming more and more popular you're starting to see this shift in where nuts and seeds are used in a lot more of these foods as like fillers to be able to add protein and being able to make consumers feel like a little bit more satisfied and fuller from these foods. It's just starting to become an issue that is just coming up more and more often as we see more of those things being used in plant-based and vegan foods. And so one of the major elements of the FASTER Act was adding sesame to the list of major allergens that restaurants and food manufacturers are required to flag as an ingredient. But you would think all of this change that's happening within the food allergy world with sesame being added to this list, there being a lot of requirements that come along with this act that gets to affect sesame being listed and flagged as an ingredient on labels and things would make it easier for people with sesame allergies. They would feel like they don't have to deal with as much of a headache when they're navigating different food centered situations like eating at a restaurant or going out with friends or being in mixed company but actually the opposite is actually happening now even though people with sesame allergies they will be able to have access to that nutritional information that they need to be able to make decisions about what they eat but you'll still have to be cautious when you're eating at restaurants because some food manufacturers have decided to add sesame to foods that didn't have them in there in the first place rather than just taking the extra steps to actually make sure that their manufacturing lines aren't cross-contaminated with sesame products. I know you're probably thinking that doesn't make sense. When I first saw that, I didn't think it made sense either. But a lot of places are saying that food industry experts are saying that the requirements that fall within the FASTER Act are quote, stringent and that a lot of manufacturers, especially bakers, are finding it simpler and less expensive to add sesame to a product and then labeling it as having sesame in it instead of just trying to keep it away from other foods or equipment that have sesame and they're doing this so they don't have to alter or fix any of their current processes and their current equipment and that ends up being costly to the company if they do any of those things so instead they add sesame to the food and just simply state that the food has sesame in it because now it actually has sesame in it So it's crazy to think that instead of just making sure that foods are actually free of sesame naturally or the way that the original formula and ingredients for that product were before free of sesame and they were safe for people who had sesame allergies, they're not staying safe for those with allergies anymore. They just think that it's better to just make those foods not safe anymore for those who are allergic to sesame. And I know the first thing that came to my mind when I was reading all of this stuff on the web was like, can they even do this? Is this can this even happen? Is this legal? What's the situation? And so found out apparently this is legal, um, but a lot of people are saying that it is just violating the spirit of the FASTER Act law, which the purpose and the aim of it was to really just make foods safer for people with allergies. Now, that's when it comes to the consumer point of view. Now, when it comes to how restaurants are reacting, in short, it ain't good. So a lot of popular restaurants, they are reacting very similarly to how food manufacturers have reacted to the Faster Act. So, for example, Chick fil A, I know a lot of people, especially in the South, are lovers of Chick fil A. Um, they have changed their white bun and multigrain brioche buns to include sesame. And in Chick fil A, they called the change a in, quote, industry wide matter that led to the recipe change for our white bun and multigrain brioche bun to now include sesame as an ingredient. And they also mentioned that customers who are allergic to sesame can order a gluten-free bun or you know, a range of other different breakfast items that they have. Another example of a restaurant is Olive Garden. They have said that the chain is adding, quote, a minimal amount of sesame flour to the company's famous breadsticks, quote, due to the potential for cross-contamination at the bakery. Which is pretty much the equivalent to, yeah, our supplier added sesame to the flour and a breadsticks, so the breadsticks contain sesame now. Another example is Wendy's. Wendy's, they said that the company has added sesame to their French toast sticks and also their buns. And although Wendy's said that, quote, that they take their food safety and allergen matters very seriously, they pretty much reacted the same way as Olive Garden, just saying, yep, There's sesame and Wendy's buns and Wendy's French toast sticks. And actually, I was reading this one article. There is this bakery, U.S. bakery. uh, They operate uh, France family bakeries in California. Um, They notified their customers in March that they would add a small amount of sesame flour to all hamburger and hot dog buns and rolls to, quote, mitigate the risk of any adverse reactions to sesame products. And so... The FDA, they said that while adding sesame flour to these menu items isn't illegal, it is making food access more difficult for people who are allergic to sesame, which is something that the FDA does not support. Uh, They came up with a statement and said, quote, it would make it more difficult for sesame allergic customers to find foods that are safe for them to consume and there's been other organizations that have spoken up against what food manufacturers and restaurants are doing including FAIR which if you are active within the food allergy community you probably are familiar with them but FAIR it stands for food allergy research and education they came out with a statement and in the statement A quote It said, Unfortunately, we are disappointed and concerned that many baking companies are intentionally adding sesame flour to their products, even those that did not previously contain sesame to avoid the cost of cleaning their lines. Fair has been working over the last few months to fight back. When we first heard of this practice earlier this year, we encouraged members of the American Bakers Association to do the right thing by our community and clean their lines to provide safe and sesame-free products to our our community. Since then, as more and more companies are turning their backs on our community in the intent of the FASTER Act, we have asked the FDA to get involved on our behalf and raise concerns about the bakers' practice with Congress. This concept of large companies and manufacturers adding other allergens to products and updating their labels is not something that is new. Back in 2016, Kellogg's, they added traces of peanut flour to some of their cookies and crackers and with that came people who were not happy. 1.6 million people in the U.S. have a sesame allergy, according to the Allergy and Asthma Network. The Allergy and Asthma Network has said that the number of people who have a sesame allergy is growing faster than other food allergies. And so the organization's website, here's a quote from it. They said, many people believe this is due to the increased prevalence of international cuisine on American plates sesame allergy has increased over the years in part due to the growing number of products containing sesame seeds and sesame oil. These include foods, cosmetics, lotions, and pharmaceutical items, which when I think about it, one of my favorite cuisines is Asian food. I really like it. It's so good. And I think it's kind of just natural for just in American culture. American culture is really just branded around this whole idea of being a melting pot of so many different cultures. So it's kind of natural for the prevalence of international cuisine to kind of grow when it comes to what is on the plates of Americans in their homes. And so I think that it's not surprising, but it also is surprising at the same time because sesame, especially sesame oil, is not one of those things that immediately comes to mind. Because when I think of sesame, I think of sesame oil. And it reminds me of so many moments in my childhood where um, I would have sesame oil or be exposed to sesame oil from talking with you know my mom or my grandfather and it just takes me back to those memories and just knowing and learning about a lot of different benefits from using sesame oil even though it's smelly sorry if that's offensive but I just don't I can't tolerate the smell of it um, but I know that it comes with so many different benefits like for example like one really great benefit is how it has really strong anti-inflammatory properties within it and that is something that can actually be helpful to someone who is an allergic person but it can't really be all that helpful if you are allergic to sesame it also has really great benefits like being high in antioxidants being good for your heart helping with controlling your blood sugar treating different autoimmune diseases like The benefits go on and on, but not for people who have a sesame allergy. And I know I personally have used sesame seeds when it comes to making, you know, the little bootable things that you see on Instagram that are just like very aesthetic and very picture worthy. But I do agree that you see like sesame oil popping up in lotions and other cosmetics. And as I said, the list of products that have sesame in it whether it's sesame oil or some other variation of sesame is just growing more and more and so even though restaurants are the ones that have been getting a lot of criticism regarding sesame and the faster act this is also affecting packaged foods in stores as well so if you notice that a lot more packaged foods suddenly have sesame in them you now know why so I'm gonna paint a picture for you so let's say you have a favorite brand a type of cracker it's your favorite cracker, it's one of your favorite snacks to eat when you're watching your favorite TV show. It's free from sesame, naturally or traditionally in the past, and it has always been free of sesame. But now, you go to the grocery store, all of a sudden, sesame has been put in it, and it's now declared on the label of the item, since legally, they have to, thanks to the FASTER Act. And so, the brand now has made the food item that you found safe for you and your family unsafe and so you now have to find a new cracker that is safe for you and your family to eat and companies are now doing this because it's usually quicker and cheaper to do and it just keeps companies out of having to deal with any legal woes and legal troubles and it's insane to me that a company would go through this much just so that they didn't have to change their manufacturing practices i just find that it's just wrong on so many levels. Um, but I think that we're just going to be hearing a lot more scenarios that are similar to the example that I just explained around you going to the grocery store and finding and picking up items that you traditionally, you and your family have found as being safe, not being safe anymore because of, you know, these new labeling practices and what these companies are doing in order to, quote, save their butts. So with all of that being said, what are things that people with sesame allergies can do to just stay prepared? First thing during this transition period, it's really important to be very, very cautious and very alert. The FDA, they have said, quote, the law established in this sesame labeling does not require food products that were already on their way to the store or in stock before 2023 to list sesame as an allergen on the label therefore these food products do not need to be removed from the marketplace or relabeled to declare sesame as an allergen so that's way more of enough reason to make sure that you're being very cautious and very very alert and if there are brands that your family really likes and they're tried and true in the past you're gonna want to either give people some phone calls or look up on their website to see if there has been some sort of formula change because if their website says that there was some sort of formula change or you were able to talk with the representative from that said brand, and even though you go to the grocery store, you still don't see sesame as being an allergen listed in the nutritional facts slash ingredients list. I honestly would just avoid that altogether because it's better to be safe than sorry, because like I just said, if it's already was in the process of being shipped to the store or was already in the store before 2023, it's not gonna have that label on it. So I would just be like, oh, you've made that formula change. I don't really know what the case lot numbers are and the dates. For the product that is currently in the grocery store right now as I'm in the aisle so I'm just gonna back away and just not eat that particular product or eat that brand's items anymore and I know it might hurt if it was something that was like one of your favorite foods or favorite hair care products or one of your favorite skincare products I know what that feels like you had a brand or an item that was tried and true in the past and then it's like well now you can't even use it anymore it's just so so weird to have to go through that kind of transition but it's going to be better for you in the long run especially for your health and your allergies another tip is to continue reading food labels if you or someone in your family has food allergies Eight times out of 10, you're already doing this because no one's perfect. That's why I didn't say 10 out of 10. But if you have a sesame allergy, it's really important now more than ever to have laser vision and read those labels. That literally needs to be one of your mantras. Read those food labels because the FDA said, quote, keep in mind a food products ingredients can be changed at any time. So it's good to have an idea to check the label every time you buy the food product Even if you have eaten it before and did not have an allergic reaction, which we've talked about this practice on the podcast before because not only from me talking about it in solo episodes, but also from people who have had experiences in the past where they've eaten a product that they've had so many times in the past and then all of a sudden they have an allergic reaction and then they find out that that product had a formula change and their allergen was secretly inserted into the product. And because they didn't read the food label because they're like, I've had this product in my pantry or in my freezer or in my refrigerator for like three plus years or five years or 10 years. Like I've been buying this brand and buying this product like year after year after year. Nothing could change when it's like, you just never know. So it's better to stay safe than sorry. Read the labels. You'll be thanking yourself so much in the long run. But that is this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys found it to be informational, helpful, really good thought starters, got some thoughts stirring in your brain and really being able to cover what's going on with sesame allergies and how it's actually causing some problems within 2023, which I think we all did not expect at all with the FASTER Act being implemented this year. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice to give us a rating and a review. Hopefully your rating is five stars. Follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram is at ohmyallergies. Mine is at oh My valencia. Keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know. And I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye, guys.